Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett New on special edition Disney DVD. <gasps> a brave warrior. I'll protect you. A beautiful princess. I'm Princess Alonwi. An evil emperor. Soon the black cauldron will be mine. And a magical cauldron. If the horned king should find it, nothing could stand against him. That holds the key to saving a mystical land. Black Cauldron, on a new special edition Disney DVD. If we destroy the cauldron, it will stop the whole king. Where is it? With an all-new game, deleted scenes, and more. If I don't stop the cauldron, we're all lost. Karen, no! Walt Disney's classic adventure, The Black Cauldron Special Edition. Coming soon to Disney DVD. Welcome, everyone, to... Dark Disney Part 2 on Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and joining me, as always... Kyra Hawkins. Kyra I don't know Hawkins. why I said it like that. I like it. I like the, I like the little sing-songy. Uh, I, like, sometimes I think I want to try to tie in, like, my introduction into, like, the theme of the movie... But I forget that I want to do that until it's too late. And I'm about to say my name and I'm like, there's, I got nothing. So it just comes out how it comes out. Well, hey, that's what makes you you. And that's why we have you on. All right. So for those of you who listened to last week's episode and heard our glowing remarks on Return to Oz. Glowing. Yeah. That, that That's the word for it. You also know that this week we are covering another dark tale from Disney. We are covering The Black Cauldron. This movie was actually released on July the 24th of 19, so a month after Return to Oz. It did $21.3 million in box office, so double what Return to Oz did. And that still is only $60.5 million today. Yeah. It, I, I remember like knowing this about this movie that it was not popular or very well received and, and I'm trying to figure out why as I was watching it because this was one that I want to say I watched bits and pieces of mm-hmm. but for whatever reason I think I combined this with the ending of Sleeping Beauty because I always thought that the um, the villain became a big dragon. Yeah. Um, okay, so I actually have in my notes that some of the dragons that are in this movie reminded me of Dragon Maleficent. Okay. So that's fair. Um, I So... <laughs> I've never seen this movie until this week. Um, <gasps> however, I know it's, I was aware of it. I've known about it pretty much my entire life because like a 90 second like trailer or ad or whatever for it was on a VHS that I watched a whole bunch as a kid. So like all I knew about it was from that. Um, and I remember watching in like, wanting this movie um just based on that little ad because it had like gurgy and he was so cute and i just i remember the munchings and crunchings quote and um i remember thinking even as a little kid like i really wanted it i i was into it uh 
but we never had it, and so I never saw it. And I thought I read that Disney didn't even release it for home viewing um, until, like, the 90s, which by then I wouldn't have been paying attention. I don't know if that's true. Um well, let me get it. Let me get it pulled up, and we can we can confirm. Do you remember uh, what movie it was on the VHS with? I really don't. Um, I mean, obviously, it was a Disney movie, <laughs> but like we we had so many of those VHSs that like I I couldn't say with any certainty which one it was. It I, it might have been Robin Hood. But I, I don't know for sure. Um, all, all I'm seeing is 1998. Um, so that's all I can go by. So, like, I, I was surprised. Like, wow, how have I never watched this? Because I know about it. Um, but that's probably why. We just never had it. Um, so, yeah, I was, like, excited when you said we were watching this. Um, it had kind of not really been on my radar. Um, so I was I was glad to finally, like, dig in and know what it's about and what happens. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of what has or of what happened. So, the synopsis, which comes to us, as always, care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like, In the land of Pridian, Taryn, a teenage assistant pig keeper, on the farm of Care Dalbin, home of Dalbin the Enchanter, dreams of becoming a famous warrior. Dalbin learns that the evil Horned King is searching for a mystical relic known as the Black Cauldron, which can create an invincible army of undead warriors known as the Cauldronborn. Dalbin fears that the Horned King might use his pig, Winwin, who has oracular powers, to locate the cauldron. Dalbin directs Terran to take Winwin. Henwin to safety. Unfortunately, Terran's foolish daydreaming causes Henwin to be captured by the Githwaints, the Horned King's dragon-like creatures. Terran follows them to the Horned King's castle and meets the pestering dog-like creature, Gurgi, who wants to be his friend. Frustrated by Gurgi's antics and cowardice, Terran leaves him. Terran sneaks into the castle and helps Henwin escape, but is captured and thrown into the dungeon. Another captive named Princess Ilanwi frees him as he tries to as she tries to escape. In the catacombs underneath the castle, Terran and Ilanwi discover the ancient burial chamber of a king. Terran arms himself arms himself with a king's sword, which contains magic that allows him to highly to effectively fight the king's minion. Along with a third prisoner, the comical bard they escape from the castle and are found by Gurgi. Upon learning that Terran has escaped, the Horned King orders his goblin henchman Creeper to send the Gwithanks to follow and capture Terran along with his friends. Following Henwin's trails, the four companions stumble into the underground kingdom of the Fair Folk, who have Henwin under their protection. When the kindly King Idalig reveals the cauldron's location, Terran decides to destroy it. Ilanwe, Gurgi, and Florfadera agree to join him and Lila, like obnoxious right-hand man Dolly, is assigned to lead them to the marshes of Morva, while the fair folk escort Henwin back to Care Dalbin. At Morva, they learn the, ca- the cauldron is held by three witches, the crafty leader Ordu, the greedy Orgok, and the more benevolent Orwin, who falls in love with Valarra. Ordu agrees to trade the cauldron for Terran's sword, and he reluctantly agrees, knowing that it will cost him his chance for heroism. Before vanishing, the witches reveal the cauldron is indestructible, and the power can only be broken by someone willingly climbing into, into it, which will kill them. Doli angrily abandons the group, although Terran feels foolish for trading the sword for nothing, his companions show their belief in him. Ilanwi and Terran almost kiss as blah, blah, blah and Gurgi happily watch. Suddenly, they are found by the Horn King's minions who has followed them. Gurgi runs away before they take the cauldron and the three companions back to the castle. The Horned King uses the cauldron to raise the dead, and his cauldron-born army 
begins to pour into the world while holding the trio prisoner in view of the cauldron. Gurgi, deciding not to abandon his friends this time, sneaks into the castle and rescues him. Taryn decides to jump into the cauldron to save everyone, but Gurgi stops him and jumps in instead, killing the cauldron born as well as himself. When the Horned King spots Taryn, he blames him saying that Taryn has interfered for the last time and throws the youth toward the cauldron. But the cauldron is out of control and consumes the Horned King in a tunnel of fire, killing him and destroying the castle as the companions escape. The three witches come to recover the now inert Black Cauldron. Taryn has finally realized Gurgi's two friendship while hailing him as a hero and asks him to revive his friend in exchange for the Cauldron, choosing to give up his sword permanently. Upon hearing the minstrel's challenging remarks to demonstrate their powers, the reluctant witches honor the request, returning Gurgi to them. Gurgi is resurrected much to everyone's joy. After they reunite, he pushes Taryn and Ilanwi into a kiss. The four friends then journey back home to Caradalbin, where Dalbin and Doli have watched them in a vision created by Henwin, and Dalbin finally praises Taryn for his heroism. The end. So, as you know, I have the synopsis up whenever I start a movie, so that way I know what I'm getting into, know where we are in the plot of the movie, sometimes know how much time is actually left based on what's actually written. Other times you can have one line left and still have 35 minutes left in a movie. Right. This one, I was lost from the very beginning. Because I didn't understand if Henwin was a witch or if she was a familiar or if she was a a being that had been transformed into a pig or if in their world they just had had pigs that knew how to do this kind of stuff. It was yeah, never there... fully explained. I would have liked that. All we knew was that she, um, at one point... Um, the, uh, king? The horned king? Yes. The, yeah, he's just the king. Um, I, at I one point, well, he reminds me of, um, Skeletor a little bit, um, just in appearance. Mm -hmm. So I, like, had a hard time separating that. Like, once it occurred to me, I was like, oh, no, now he's just that. But anyways, um... He calls her an oracular pig, uh -huh. which um, it took me a second to separate um, oracular from ocular. <laughs> um, so she's an oracle. Uh -huh. But like you said, but there's no explanation. How did she get these powers? Like, is she just a magical pig? Um, no idea. And I, I like I wish I would have I wish we could have known that. It it was I don't know if they didn't have the budget to give us that backstory because or if it was in the original version because according to this there was editing that was done from what I'm looking at on Wikipedia and we know Wikipedia never lies. Yeah. Well, I know they had like cut some things from the like not the very end but the like um, like the climactic scenes mm -hmm. were just too scary for kids in test viewings or screenings. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'd probably cut the scary parts down a little, although the, it was still pretty scary. Um, I wish they, if, if that's the case and you're right, I wish they hadn't cut it because mm -hmm. there honestly was not enough headwind in this movie. Yeah. Um, like we get, she's so cute, and I like you, you know she's an important character from the get go. Uh -huh. And um, like the fairies are keeping her in hiding. Like it's for good reason, but it's like I could have done with more of that. Like yeah. she's missing from a huge chunk of the movie. Literally, because um, Taryn loses her like almost as soon as the movie starts. And you don't yeah. see her with the exception of her being in the castle. And then she escapes and you don't see her again until the fairy people. 
And then you see her at the very end having another vision of the four of the people going off and to live their merry lives. Yeah, I I have some thoughts about that and and we'll get to it, I think. Um but like <laughs> my so my first like note is um what's this guy's name? Taryn? Dal Dalbin. Dalbin. Dalbin sends Taryn off with Henwin. Like, it took me forever to get these names down. Um, to, like, take her into hiding because the Horned King is, like, after the Black Cauldron. And he knows that there's this magical pig who can, like, help him find it. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dalbin, like, realizes this, he's, like, take her into hiding. Which I'm, like, I, I have questions about Dalvin's thought process. Uh, I know that Taran is the pig keeper, but why did he stay behind? Why did Dalvin stay behind? Uh-huh. If it was that uh-huh. big of a deal. And he's like so concerned for Henwin's safety and protection. Why did he like send them alone into like the forest and then like open meadows where they could easily be seen? Why didn't he go? And I want the reasoning behind that, but then I also want to know, since he didn't go, he packed food for them, but it's only a single apple <laughs> and, like, the end of a piece of bread. That that was my second note <laughs> after the question about Henwin's background, because apparently Taryn was supposed to stay with Henwin until everything had blown over. And he was going to this undisclosed location, and he was supposed to take his crunchins and munchins, to quote Gurgi, which we'll discuss Gurgi in a couple of minutes, too. Yeah. And was he sending him to a place that had a fully stocked kitchen, or was he just supposed to leave Henwin go off forage, go off hunt, what... Because yeah, he's Taren, to like a cabin or a cottage or something at the edge of the forbidden forest. Yeah, I'm like what? Are, what are they gonna eat when they get there, buddy? Yeah, and see, with us as parents, that's things that we, I would hope, think about more than just mm-hmm. oh well, here's a, a bite of bread and three bites of an apple, and hope I'll Good see luck. you before you turn into the horned king or a cauldron born yeah which well i have a note we can get to it um so we actually saw the um king sooner in the movie than i expected like i thought they were going to draw it out a little more Mm -hmm. um he is so scary with his like long bony fingers and like Mm -hmm. super long Mm -hmm. claw nails just like mm, I, I don't know how I like feel about this movie like overall, um, but he was a very effective villain, just um, much darker and like scarier than um, most Disney villains, I think. Yeah. Um, and he wants to, yeah, like raise a bunch of um, the dead to make an undead army. Uh, it's just, it's all weird. Um, but like so, we like we've said, Taryn is not the most adept at doing his job because literally he's distracted by his vision of himself in a river, and he sees himself with all fame and fortune, and then oops, pig's gone. Yeah, he like. He's so excited, like, with his own reflection that he loses Henwin in, like, five minutes. Um, and then we meet Gargi, who I remember, like, again, I only knew of this movie from, like, a 90-second trailer or two-minute trailer or whatever. Um, my idea of Gurgi as a kid, I remember thinking, oh, he's so cute. Oh, I like him. I like him. I like him. I did not like Gurky in this movie as a 40-year-old adult lady. <laughs> and I I have some guilt about it, but... Um, well, I... here's my issue with Gurky, And you can tell me I'm wrong or 
we might be on the same page. Gurgi struck me as a wish version of Gollum. Yes. Because yes. everything was master and crunchins and munchins and Smeagol was that was all that he was concerned about that and the ring and it it rubbed me the wrong way every time that he was on the screen and I know that's not what his intent was supposed to be he yeah. was supposed to and be the cuteness that drew the little kids into the movie yes he's like kind of adorable but um also grading i hate his voice mm -hmm. um and i i don't know like my notes are like oh look i i knew somehow when he appeared like okay here's the comic relief mm -hmm. but then he wasn't funny like at all um i like little kids probably loved it but like little kids didn't love the rest of this movie i am certain like i'm kind of glad i didn't watch this as a kid um <laughs> But, like, I just, this whole, like, journey that, that Taran is taking Henwin on, like, why are you walking so slow? You're literally being hunted. Mm -hmm. Like, where's the food? Like, at one point we see him, maybe he's, like, sh like stuck it in his, like, um, cloak. I don't know what his, or whatever that thing is called. Mm -hmm. Um, I, but I was like, where's the food? Now I'm realizing he had stuck it in there. He probably had a pocket hiding in there or something. But, like, he's walking so slow. And then, of course, he loses the pig. And then he meets Gurgi. But I'm just like, stop worrying about Gurgi and your stupid apple and find the magical pig. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, on the pig. You, it just, like, there wouldn't be a movie, blah, blah, blah. Um, but like, he's like, why isn't he focusing on the pig that like his caretaker is like, if, if this happens to her, then we're all doomed and he's just not taking it seriously. Um, and so Gurgi's like, oh, well I saw him, but I'll tell you where, if you give me your apple. Yeah. And right, so just give it to finally, finally Taryn throws the apple at him because he's already taken a bite. So he's already got his germs on it, I guess. And yeah. then the pig gets swooped down on by the Maleficent dragons, for lack of a mm -hmm. better term. And they yeah, take him that... off to the Horned King, or her, I'm sorry. And this was another thing where it was like instantaneously Terran's at the castle. Don't you think there should have been guards or something around the castle stopping him or yeah. throwing things at him? He seems to travel fast. I mean, I guess that happens in a lot of movies where like they just don't show a lot of the journey. So mm -hmm. you don't know how long really it takes, but it seems as though um, like the time that's passed because of where where they're at in the castle in the process of like, oh, here's the pig. Um, it hasn't been that long. So it's almost like like it takes him a couple minutes. I also like as he the dragons have carried Henwin away. He's like realizing how far he has to go because you kind of see the castle in the distance. Um, and then he sets off towards it. And Gurgi's like, I'm never going to see my friend again. I'm like, you just met him and you stole his apple. Like, like you're not instantly friends. Although I guess Gurgi thinks they are. So um, we're still like not even 20 minutes in at this point. <laughs> and I already was like, okay, the pig is missing. Or we know where she's at really. But um I would have liked to have cut some other stuff later, I think, and seen a little bit more of his journey to this castle. Mm -hmm. But suddenly, like we said, he's just climbing up it. It's thorny and scary. Um, like another like Halloween type looking, but also Sleeping Beauty castle um, under Maleficent's control mm -hmm. type yeah. vibes. Um, inside, they're having a big old party. Yeah, because, because they found the pig. And so Taryn basically tears a hole in the wall. 
and climbs in. Yeah. With his bare hands. Yeah. And, of course, they spot him. And this is where the little demon, goblin, elf, whatever thingy comes up yeah. and lets the Horned King know that they found the magical, mystical pig. And so they're like, all right, we'll do your stuff. And the pig, of course, doesn't want to tell him about the cauldron. And because of this, the king is willing to kill her, which makes no sense whatsoever because if you have searched far and wide and high and low and you know this thing can do what you need to do, why are you not trying a little bit harder to get her to show you where this cauldron is? Right. He's just like, fine, I'll do it on my own. Like, no, you've got the tool you need there, bud. Um, like, use a growth mindset and you can get the information that you seek. I'm trying to find the name of um, his little buddy because... <laughs> his little uh, buddy. Like, that's what I have him at in my notes because I don't know his name. I'm sure it says it at some point, but I didn't write it down and Creeper. I can't. Creeper. I did write it down, but I misread my note. I read that he's a creeper. Um, I mean, yeah. you're not wrong. He is so ugly that he is cute. Yeah. And it made me like, I felt like I can't take this, this guy seriously. Um, he's too cute. <laughs> yeah. He's adorable in like the like ugly monster type way where I'm just like, oh, buddy. And he just wants to do a good job mm-hmm. and serve the king. You, you realize obviously like the nature of this king is that he's abusive and um, controlling. And so it's a pretty toxic relationship they have. (laughs) Uh, Creeper like really wants to do a good job and be in his favor, but you can tell like that he kind of hates him, Mm -hmm. Um, which that was some comic relief that I didn't know I needed um, was that dynamic. Mm -hmm. Just Creeper, I think was, better than Gurgi as a character. Yes. Um, I, I would have liked more of him, but uh, yeah, so all those side notes to get to um, Taran is like, no, don't kill her, I'll help you. So he, then he gets uh, Henwin to start showing like what she sees, but I don't think he like finishes it, right? Just, yeah. The king her it's the glowing red eyes that like i hate that in anything i ever see it in because it's terrifying um so when i saw his glowing red eyes i wanted so badly to just stop watching <laughs> I, was like, I hate this i hate this but i didn't i just i powered through for you yeah. dan and, and for the listeners um and we are glad that you did because <laughs> I I I couldn't I couldn't do this one on my own. So um, after Henwin's magic gets interrupted, they throw um, Taryn into a dungeon or a tower or some part of the castle. Yeah, it, you don't really get a good feel of it, but he's like captive. Mm-hmm. It's real sad. He knows, like, oh, I messed up. Really, buddy? You're just now realizing that? 27 like, I mean, minutes into the movie? Uh, Turn, you messed up a long time ago. Like I said, focus on the pig and not the furry little monster yeah. taking your apple. Um, I was really glad to see this princess pop up out of the floor, even though it took me like half an hour to figure out how to say her name. Alan um, Wee. Yeah. Alan Wee? Something I don't know, I'm, like all the this um, genre of like literature and movies, all the names like I know they're based in, in different things that I'm too ignorant to know, but I struggle with them. Well, um, as long as you don't make me pronounce the minstrel's name far from Flufen, or got you there. It's so that one's easy to me. Um, but she's like just she's not really damsel in distress Mm-mm. which um, i really liked i mean there's a couple times i think that he saves her but 
it's a team effort, really. So I I liked that because we've seen so many Disney movies where, like, the girl is just kind of relegated to being this dummy that needs to be saved. Mm-hmm. And that's not her. She's really cool. Um, but do we ever find out what that little magic bubble thing is? The only thing that, that it said, and this was where I got really mad at Taryn was she said well this is my magic and this was how i this is why i'm being kept because the horned king thinks that this would have helped him find the cauldron Mm -hmm. and taryn's like oh yeah i got a pig that does that did did not dalbin tell him not to tell anybody about the pig's magical power and so as soon as he sees a pretty girl run into the room He just starts spilling all of his secrets and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a magic pig. What do you think about that? Um, that, Does that impress you? Um, No, because I got a magic glowing ball. She, I, we don't get a whole lot of depth with her, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, I liked her. Um, Even though at times I found the voice a little grating, um, I just... She was a welcome addition to the like band of heroes that we end up with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know why. I just liked her. Um, so Tarn finds a sword. Yes. Uh, that he uses and like realizes, oh, it's a magic sword. Yeah. And every time that there was a, I'm not even going to call it a fight scene, but where he just flails the sword, I keep expecting for him to hold it up a la Adam of Prince Eternia and say, I have the power. <laughs> because you, you, got, you, got, you, got, you got Skeletor, I've got He-Man with that sword. That was a very He-Man-esque sword. It really was. Um, yeah, I thought that too. Like, the this whole... <sighs> When did He-Man and the Masters of the Universe air? About, like, about the same time. Okay. Um, Vamp for me and I'll find out. I, well, so I remember watching it. I my This is so weird. Those um, beta tapes that like VHS beat out in the like technology race of the 80s. My grandma and my grandpa had a beta player. Um, so <laughs> just weirdly... Uh, they didn't have a lot of, like, kid-friendly beta tapes, but for some reason they had He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. I think she probably bought it at a garage sale or something, or maybe, like, from the, like, video rental place in their town, um, like, when they were just clearing stuff out. So I watched some of those He-Man episodes over and over and over and over, and, uh, is that enough vamping? Yes. (laughs) He-Man and the Masters of the Universe ran from 1983 until 1985. So we're right at the tail end of it going off, but it was in syndication for years, and I think it's still somewhere because I'm planning on watching that with the world's youngest podcast at some point Um, in time in the future. It had been on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, um, but I made The new one with Kevin Smith is on Netflix. I know that. I'm not sure about the original. Yeah, no, the the original had been on Netflix for a little while. Can't Mm -hmm. say for sure if it still is, but I watched it because as soon as I saw it on Netflix, I was like, oh my gosh, I love (laughs) He-Man. And we watched all the old She-Ra episodes that were there for so I just love it. I this is not a He-Man podcast, sadly, but uh, it does, like you said, the castle Skeletor, a magical sword. It's like a wimpy little guy that like wants to be a hero. It's got some of it. Just Taran never gets like bulky, yeah. um, or like he never gets his muscles. <laughs> but. Um, he he like gets pretty good with the sword. Um, there's it seems like th- there's a, a, as always an extended. It feels like this whole movie is kind of a chase scene, really, because um, they break out of like their dungeon or whatever. Mm-hmm. They meet 
a bard who has been taken captive. Um, his name is Fluter, which is surprisingly easy to say. But if you look at the name in print and the way it's spelled, I was like, I can't pronounce that. And that's why in the synopsis, the bard has 16 different names. Every time that it popped up, he got a different <laughs> name. I'm sorry, people. I was that's tired so when I recorded it, and it came out as... <laughs> um, I kind of wanted to like Fluter. Um, I think he's like kind of a voice of reason. Um, definitely like the adult in the room, I think. But he, I don't know. They all kind of help each other. Um, so they get out. Creeper has to tell the king that they got out. This is where we see a little more of how he's like, he wants so bad to stand up to the boss, but like he knows that he will be killed if he does. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just, I loved Creeper. Like I felt bad for him and he does like, he kind of is redeemed a little later, but, um, now, like I said, it's it's all a long chase scene because they've escaped and nobody knows where Henwin is and they're all on the run yeah. now from King. So, um, so they meet up with the fairy people, which says, oh, well, we've had Henwin all along ever since it got loose. So don't worry about her. She's shown us that the cauldron is in Morva. Mm-hmm. And so they have the one fairy that nobody likes. Dolly? Dolly gets sent off with the threesome with Gurgi somehow in tagging along. Yeah, they run to Gurgi when they're like running through the forest or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's like looking for snacks. Um, I long like, Yeah. Has be crunching some munchies in here somewhere. I hate that. Like I wanted to think it was cute, but I was just like, Ugh. um. But like Ilanwi is just nuts about Gurgi, um, which I guess is kind of cute. Of course she is. He's cute. Um, until he talks. They, yeah. Um, I loved the um fairy world, like being underneath this like magical swirly water. And then it's just all dry down there once they get through the water because it's really just like a like a gate. Um, I love the idea of I always have as even as a kid like the idea of fairies in like tiny little places like that. So that was that like satisfied that part of my like inner child I think to be like ooh magic and fairies and and like tiny spaces. Um, I. I liked the fairy stuff, but like you said, the one that is like the most obnoxious is the one that gets chosen to go on the journey with them. And then we meet the witches who um, I thought were kind of like Sanderson's sisters. Yeah. I, I wondered if they were like the inspiration or if like anything from this had any kind of like influence. Um, but I just thought, I I, like, I know this came out before that, but I, I thought it seemed to me like these witches for when you get your Sanderson sisters on Timu. Yeah. Um, I like, I liked that. I thought they were fun. Um, there, there was some, like the sister or I think her name is or no, uh, they have like three names that I couldn't keep straight, but there's like the Ordu, leader, Orgok, and Orwin, who falls in love with the surfer. Okay, Orwin is like all about Fluter, big time crush, like instantly, which it's like, Orwin, listen, I know you're a witch, but like you are so cute. She's adorable. I love her. Um, <laughs> she is like has like a voluptuous figure we'll just say that to keep it clean and family friendly um but like why are you throwing yourself at this like crusty old guy with a broken heart with a name that you will never be able to spell (laughs) (laughs) or say yeah (laughs) but she's just i loved her i could have watched a whole movie of these witches um Mm -hmm. 
in any setting. I really liked them. And um, Orwin is just funny. I like there was there were some like physical gags um, with her body that I didn't love especially if this is supposed to like, I know this is like high fantasy and it's, I think it's rated PG even. Mm-hmm. It was so PG. yeah, it's like not for kids, but it's like, you know, kids are watching this and it's the eighties. Like, why did you stick a frog right there? It's weird. I didn't like that, but like, I get why some people like <laughs> oh, appreciate that kind of humor. It's just not my favorite in a movie like this. Um, I, maybe I was just in a bad mood because maybe if I watched it like another time, I would think it was funnier. Still, <sighs> I I just sorry I'm just like gushing, but I loved these witches. I liked that Orwin was basically like the Sarah of the group, just like boy crazy and really wants to fall in love. We get some like. M- magic stuff floating through the air that like reminded me of um merlin in um sword in the stone that's what we need is a merlin and these witches movie coming soon from disney plus i don't know if they do it as well as i would hope but i probably not like they just it seems like kind of similar universes um Mm -hmm. So they they would have probably fit right into each other's worlds if you like did some kind of crossover event or something. Um, that was a lot of me just like going bananas over the witches, but <laughs> they have the cauldron or they know where it is. They, yeah. Long short, they make a deal that he that uh, Tarn will trade his magical his quote unquote magical sword for the cauldron. And I'm and glad then, that you actually said his quote-unquote. Because the sword that he had found that had the power of Eternia in it mm-hmm. was actually from a dead king that was in the bottom of the Horn King castle. Yeah. I forgot about that. So I it just, was I... not really his to trade, but... And yeah. He, he calls it his sword. I guess finders keepers. Um, they're like willing, like they're, they're so excited to make this trade, it seems. Um, and his plan is like, we'll just trade for the cauldron and destroy it. Uh, it's after he's made the bargain and done the trade that, that he learns that it can't be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, now you're the one who has to try to keep this away from him. Good luck. Like, and you're not a powerful witch. So what are you going to do, buddy? Yeah. So it's at this point that they, things run amok, amok, amok. And the Horned King's men find him and take the cauldron back to Mordor. Oh, wait, no, not that movie. They take it back to, (laughs) they take it back to his castle and... They start the spell to start the um, cauldron born by throwing in a skeleton. I and... I wish he would have given his army a better name because cauldron born is lame. Yeah. So like it's like come on man, you're like the most powerful guy in the universe. Give him a cool name. So the army comes back to life, and the first thing that you actually see them do is attack some of the Horned King's men. Yeah. What happens to them? Did they get killed? Did they get turned into undead? I'm concerned for these guys. Not that they were big names, but still. Yeah, they're, um, they're, it seems like nobody cares. Yeah. Uh, They're just, like, completely dispensable. Yeah. Uh, Gurgi has snuck into the castle behind our our heroes. Um, then it seems like there's just a very long fight scene. I think it was around this time um, that I'm like, oh my gosh, how much longer? Um, and it was still like between 15 and 20 minutes. Um, yeah, and I think this was actually about the part of the movie that I turned it on. I was like, I can't, I can't. 
Yeah, just no more information, please. Can't process this. Um, mm-hmm. It just, yeah. Uh, well, I, I think we kind of forgot to mention when the witches reveal to them that the cauldron can't be destroyed, um, they say something about um, like the only way that, or maybe it can be. I don't remember exactly how they presented this information, but like a living being has to jump inside of it willingly, mm-hmm. like get inside and then like it will kill them, but also it will like turn it off or whatever. Yeah. Um, like it's been activated by the horned King and the only way it's going to stop is for somebody to willingly sacrifice themselves and get inside there. Um, which, like I said, Gurgi has followed them into the castle, and um, he just suddenly is like, oh, listen, he does a very heroic thing here by jumping <laughs> into the cauldron. However, it's not with, like, a heroic attitude, I don't think. He's, like, feeling sorry for himself. Um, he says, like, Gurgi has no friends. And I'm like, he is not in this to be a hero it seems he's just like suicidal um but he does it and um it starts like a chain reaction of events it's like they have to have two people now to completely turn it off um well because i think the reasoning was that once gurgi and i'm using scare quotes made the ultimate sacrifice Mm-hmm. then that turned on the vacuum that started sucking everything in that had already been pulled or that had already gone out. Yeah, so once like... everything was back in, then it turned off. And oops, the Horned King gets blown up real good like one of the bad guys out of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. he's So, yeah, you're right. Like, Gurgi jumps in and it like it's the magic whatever is like being sucked back into the cauldron um so you just see like these like skeleton soldiers just like kind of falling over it like it's not supposed to be funny but it kind of Mm -hmm. is um because i mean they're bad guys and they're undead and they're just really just animated skeletons at this point so it's easy to not like feel bad for them um it's just kind of funny because they just like start kind of toppling over um I don't know. It, maybe I'm like sick or something, but <laughs> I kind of got a kick out of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's sucking the magic back in. Um, oh, Creeper is like worried. Oh, so I'm going to be honest with you. This like next the last few minutes, um, I I know this is where they cut some scary things out from like kid reactions and test screenings. And um, I'm glad they did. Because this was scary enough. Um, the king has glowing red eyes again. Mm-hmm. With black pupils, which somehow made it worse. Uh, I, I super didn't like it. And uh, he's he kind of approaches slowly as... Man, he could have totally let Taran get sucked into that thing. And he would have been fine. Yeah. But... Um, and I, I kind of questions how this happened because oh my gosh those red eyes um the the force of the cauldron like pulling the magic back in is so strong that it pulls the king in or starts to but like taran is just kind of laying on the ground not affected by it very much like his clothes maybe blow around in the wind a little bit um so king gets sucked in like you said he kind of is like the bad guy in Indiana Jones. Um, as the castle is crumbling, like Creeper is not sure how he feels. I think he's like, oh no, oh no, the king. Oh, he's so sad. And then he gets super excited. Uh, I, and that's, I'm like, oh, he's free. He was like kind yeah. of enslaved. So it makes you, I don't know, it makes him a little more sympathetic um, than just like the minion mm-hmm. for the, for the like big bad of the movie. Um, I just was like, Oh, creeper. But I don't, I don't think we really get to see what happens to him after that. Um, there's I, like more dragons I, flying around, but yeah, I think he flies off on the back of a dragon and he's the new horned King. Cause he made an indication that, Oh, here it is. 
Yeah, he just is kind of silly. But it's like, okay, is anyone going to take him seriously? Because uh, <laughs> just look at him. You just want to be like, hey, here, let's eat some candy together, buddy. Um, <laughs> I like seriously. I want to just like give him some waffles and like let's eat, let's go get some ice cream. Um, he's cute. So <laughs> after <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. After they turn off the power. The witches show up, and the witches are like, well, now what are you going to do? We can give you your sword back. And Taran's like, well, no, I think since Gurgi made a made a heroic sacrifice, we need to bring him back. Yeah. And what would have made it better, and I know it would have never happened with Disney in the 80s, is if they would have brought Gurgi back as a Pet cemetery character. Oh, Wow, I, that's not where I thought you were going. Where did you think I was going? So maybe one of two ways. First, I thought, um, like, I know sometimes bringing characters that, back from the dead is like something that happens and it's like sweet and everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it takes away from the sacrifice they made, I think. Yeah. Um, so I was, I thought maybe you were going to say it would have been better if they would have, like, not. Um, like, just... <laughs> Leave, like, let a sleeping Gurgi lie. Um, and then I thought, I don't know what the other one was. I forgot already because uh, I was just thinking about that. But Gurgi, so what I thought was funny about this um, was that they're like, oh, no, we can't do that. And Fluter is like, I knew you weren't that powerful. Like, he kind of mocks them. Like, mm-hmm. I knew. I knew. Um, and so they do this. Like they they do bring Gurgi back as like kind of a like to spite Fluter and his like mocking of them, which I thought was funny. I wish so we don't see them after Gurgi is back, and that made me sad. Um, I would have liked to see um, Orwin like kind of following them because she wanted to hook up with Fluter. Um, but so which is gone. Uh, Gurgi is alive. He, they like kind of Frankenbite this audio in as he's waking up, and it's the same clip that we've heard like three different times of him. Like, there must be munchings and crunchings in here somewhere. You can tell it's it's Frankenbitten in from earlier. Like, they didn't re record that as part of his audio. Um, but he's just as surprised as everybody else that he's alive. Um, kind of cute i guess and then uh they it ends somewhat abruptly like they're celebrating and they kind of like are as they walk off into the sunset like the heroes that they are um we cut back to dalbin who we haven't seen in a good lot like where have you been all this time dad um so dalbin's like in his safe little house with Dolly for some reason and they've got Henwin and they're watching them walk into the sunset in like a in the water that Henwin's like doing her magic in um I have questions why is Dolly there where is Dalvin been he was like not helpful at all um and how did Henwin get like we never see her go back I guess if she was with the fairies but there's just no real explanation. She's just suddenly there with Dalbin again. Um, you don't, it, it seems like uh, Taran was like so concerned, like he seemed to love her at the beginning of the movie. And then like once she's with the fairies, he kind of forgets she exists. I, I would have liked a reunion. Yeah. Black Cauldron 2. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. No, just like. Give me like a post credit scene. I actually I didn't watch the credits, so there's there's a chance it's there. Um <laughs> like I would have liked a post credit scene where it shows them like oh, you know what? It kinda does. And like the little there's like it's not animated, but they have like little kind of like drawings mm-hmm. that are going through the credits and so 
it kind of shows like that they're all together fluters like playing music and Henwin's there and um but I would have liked to have seen them all come together and and for for Taran who wanted so badly to be a hero to hear Dalbin like yeah say that he's proud of him or whatever um instead of him saying it to the water where he can't hear him um yeah, I I had the question about how did Henwin get back to Dalvin. The questions about where Dalvin's been and why the obnoxious fairy was there did not even enter my mind, but now you've got me wanting these questions answered. Yeah. I um, have one thing that I can't believe you skipped over. Okay. Right before they walk off into the red water of henwin because yeah, it was so weird it's ugly did, oh i know what you're gonna say. what they kissed was the kiss solicited or was it unsolicited and provoked by gurgi uh i think gurgi just kind of um helped them along on a little road they were already on but that was like because there is there's a moment earlier in the movie where they like almost kiss i like it's it's so minor that I like you like I skipped over I forgot it was even there until you said it. Um, so there's like a tiny 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 little hint of romance there, but like almost nothing. Like it's so minor that it almost like it doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. So it's just like an afterthought because it doesn't affect the plot in any way. Um, which I'm I'm glad they didn't make it into like kind of a romantic comedy it 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 wouldn't have worked in this yeah kind of... because in order for it to be a romantic comedy in these days you have to have the damsel in distress and she was definitely not i mean the first time that she saw her she was saving him so that he would have needed to have been the damsel in distress yeah um i mean i thought it was kind of cute i guess that that um, Gurgi like kind of pushed them together and like they were already like halfway there he just made it happen okay but yeah it, like it like you said I skipped over it because it doesn't matter <laughs> it's it it was like an afterthought that they threw in it yeah. seemed <sighs> I think we have beaten the creeper to death <laughs> what thinkest thou is there anything that's been missed, or should we move on to the all-important question? Uh, let's do it. Okay. First of all, what is today's impact on this movie? This is a forgotten film because it flopped at the box office. Nobody... I mean, I'm sure diehard Disney fans will be writing us hate mail and address mm-hmm. it all to Dan because... I was the one that said that it was forgotten. But as far... I mean, we've shown how many different TV shows and movies that may or may not have either impacted this or been impacted by this. Yeah. Um, If they remake this, I hope we get um, a little more diverse cast. I mean, there's only four humans in this movie, Mm -hmm. I think. Maybe, well, no, there's like a handful of, of the bad guys in the castle. But I would like to see um, some people of color or, I don't know, some kind of diversity. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, you could say that about every movie before a certain time. Um, I I had another thought and I've forgotten what it was. <laughs> Today's impact on this movie. Actually, I don't know how much they would really need to change to, like, bring it into 2023. I mean, it kind of works. Yeah. Especially with as big as fantasy movies are now. So you're you're not... I mean, it might need to be reworked to be a little bit more original. Because, like I said, we had Masters of the Universe that both of us saw... We had the um, Sanderson sisters, and we had the Wish Gollum and the Creeper from Timu. 
every everything had analogs from either this time or came after it so they might need to redraw a couple of things this is actually one that um i think if they didn't do it too dark but also if they didn't do it like too light because like sometimes they go in the other way mm-hmm. like i i know it's been like a trend for a long time to like make things darker mm-hmm. or edgy or whatever but like sometimes they do go in the like too far in the other direction so it'd be like kind of hard but i would like to see this as a live action film um now that i'm like i, I hadn't thought it before just now but um that'd be kind of cool i mean they did like they gave Maleficent her own movie, mm-hmm. uh, two movies actually. They could do this, like that. I mean, they they can do the vibe of like like those different kind of aesthetics um, and make it work. We've seen them do it, so I w- I wish they would do this one. Um, I just imagine that Skeletor would be way scarier in a live action with his red eyes. Yeah. All right, second question. Is this mirrored in culture? I think we've already touched on it because it's fantasy, and fantasy is really big nowadays, so I can't believe that it hasn't gotten more of a following. And once again, I'm probably going to get raked over the coals for saying that. No, I don't think so. There's, I mean, there's a reason that this kind of flopped when it did, and that many so many people still haven't seen it um Mm -hmm. i will say i just remembered that um i asked on my instagram stories um if anyone had seen it and what did they think and i got like a pretty even split of like i hated it or oh i loved this when i was a kid um but one friend specifically was like i remember watching this when i was young and um I thought it was stupid, but also I loved it because she had read the books and the books. So, um, I was like, you know, sometimes, um, well, I always will say, Oh, maybe I'll read the book, but I might actually read this. Um, if I remember it's on my list, if I can find a copy, um, then I will give it a try. Uh, but she, she was like, Oh, it's so much better. Like, the movie is what it is, and then the books, like, take it even farther. So, um, I, I was happy to hear that. Um, so, yeah, culture. <laughs> and finally, the third and final question. How does it fit? I'm just going to leave it at that. How does it fit in 2023 is, um, I mean, we kind of... We kind of answered that in the first question, too, because, um, like, fantasy, there has so many fans. I mean, it's people cosplay as things. It It just does because of the genre. Well, it's homework time. No. No, this is fun homework. I'm excited about these. Okay. Well, our next movie is a John Cusack movie. Yes, John Cusack was actually doing Disney films back in the 80s. It is, so don't tell y'all wrong, The Journey of Natty Gan. It is the third of four movies that were actually released in 1985 by Disney. So it is another live-action film. Probably will not be in the same vein as Return to Oz, or I would hope not. But that is your homework for the next time that we are back live and not a old school Saturday. If this was your favorite Disney film, write us. Let us know what we missed at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you hated this movie, write us. Tell us why you hated it. We will read your email on a future show. And while you're out there, if you want to give us a rating on whatever um, streaming service that it is that you're listening to us on, we have had a number of new listeners, I believe, because they are downloading podcasts that are 
several months old. So to all of our new listeners, welcome. To all of our people that have been with us from the beginning, we're glad you stuck with us. Please stick around. Things get better, we promise. In fact, they should be getting better in the next couple of weeks. Um, As we do at the end of every show, it's time for us to tell you to stay safe, stay hungry, and watch out for gurgies looking for crunchings and munchings. Don't feed them after midnight. Wow. We will talk to you next week. (laughs) Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Is that you, Hen? Look what I've got. Come on out. Here's a lovely yeah. Oh, great prince. Give poor starving googie munchings and crunchings. Nice apple. Good prince. Good apple. Oh boy, what a juicy apple. Hey, no you don't. I didn't give you that apple. You took it. Ow! Hey, hold on, you hairy little thief. Come back with my apple. If you don't give it back, you'll be sorry. I mean it. I'm warning you. Give it back. Come on, the apple. Where is it? Uh-oh. Give it back. I warn you. Come on. Come on, the apple. Let's have it. You horrible, greedy thing. You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, poor miserable Gurgit deserves fierce smackings and whackings on his poor tender head. I was left with no munchings and crunching. <coughs> oh, stop that sniveling. I'm not going to hurt you. Now look here. Have you seen my pig? Piggy? Round? Fat piggy? Big snout? Yes, yes. Cooney That's her, that's Henwin. Uh-uh, nope. Googie Nazi, piggy. Nope. Oh, never mind. No telling where Henwin is by now. Oh, master, master. Now Googie remembers, yes, yes. Clever, sharp-eyed Googie saw the piggy run. Yes, right through the forest. <laughs> I saw it, I saw it. Come. Googie will find the lost piggy. Then we'll be friends forever. Munchings and crunchings in here somewhere. It's Henwin. She's in trouble. Goodbye.